We welcome you to Woodland Lakes Community Church, and we are glad you are here. I want to remind you of the big idea of this series called Known. This is the last Sunday of this series. Is the one who knows you best loves you most. Remember that. The one who knows you best. The, the one who knows what makes you tick. The one who knows about your quirks and idiosyncrasies. Not that any of you have those. <laughs> the one that knows you best loves you most. Mind-boggling? Let me ask you a question, and don't answer. It's rhetorical. Uh, let me ask you this question. Think about this for a second. How do you know someone's a Christian? How do you know someone is a disciple of Jesus? How, how do you know? So this one guy decided to Google that. He Googled, how do you know someone's a Christian? And he saw these kinds of answers like, Oh, I'm a good person, so that's how I know. Uh, I go to church. Uh, that's how I know I'm a Christian. Um, it, I, don't, I don't do certain things. Um, like that old saying, you know, I don't, uh, I don't got, what is it? I don't cuss. What is it? I don't cuss, I don't chew, and I don't go out with girls that do. I mean, it's kind of a mindset How do you know? Well, here's, here's what I, I do know this, that it's not our rhetoric. It's not our rhetoric. It's not our politics. It's not what we wear around our necks or on our ears. Um, so, yes, I'm saying that apparently half the people in the NFL are, are not disciples of Jesus, perhaps, just because they wear a necklace or it's on an earring. How do you know? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. It's, it's in a passage of scripture that I feel like is foundational for us as a church. I've alluded to it before in this, and I don't remember when, but I've alluded to it before. You're going to hear this a lot over the years. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Uh, this is at the Last Supper. And, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's at a very intense moment of when he's having this conversation, and this is what Jesus said. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. Is that really a new command? I mean, you think about all the Old Testament. You think about all the stories of the Old Testament. You think about all the things that have happened in Jesus' life up to this point, and it doesn't really seem like a new command. But Jesus says it is, and here's what I'm thinking, is Jesus defines a new measure of what love is. We use the measure of how Jesus loved us. That's, that's it, and Jesus ups what love is, he, he raises the bar to all kinds of new levels. 
And if we want to be known by love, that's the name of the message today, if we want to be known by love as a church and as people, as individuals, we need to emulate what Jesus did. That's what he said in John 13. I'm setting an example for you, and I want you to do what I'm doing for you. He showed us how. He showed us what it looks like. A few, uh, few weeks ago, I told you about Pastor Nate, kind of hooked me up, <laughs> great word there, with some fishing equipment. And he was showing me how he ties his knots because mine have always been ad-libbed. I just kind of like do it and they never look good. And I'm sure the fish are like, that's a really bad knot. <laughs> Why would I go bite on that? Because that's horrible. It's obviously a, a lure. But, but Nate showed me, and I'm going to actually have him show me again and again, but he showed me how to do that. That's exactly what Jesus did. He, he literally fleshed it out. He showed us how, and he said, this is what it looks like, and we're supposed to take our cues from him, and we learn how Jesus loved us, and that's how we're supposed to love other people. So I want to challenge you, and I, I feel like this is what God is saying to me, to be like Jesus. And I want to talk about three actions of Jesus, of how Jesus loved us, and, and what we need to do as well. We need to, first of all, be incarnational. Incarnational. What, is, what does incarnational mean? It, car, carne, uh, if you have chili con carne, what does that mean? It means with meat. It's skin. It's, it's flesh. Jesus came in the flesh. We're going to have fun with that a little bit more in a few weeks during Advent. Jesus was incarnational by coming to us. Jesus came to us. I, I like this story of incarnation. Um, and I, I, this is so fascinating that running a country is hard work, or at least it seems like it is. And it is interesting when you see a chance to see royals from other country and world leaders out playing sports or taking up hobbies to unwind. Um, but King Willem Alexander of the Netherlands has a hobby that brings him particularly close to his people. And it gives him a chance to rub shoulders with his own folks, especially while they're cruising at 30,000 feet. The king is a qualified pilot who sometimes flew KLM, that's Royal Dutch Airlines, passenger flights. This Dutch newspaper reported that Willem Alexander would fly two times a month. This is the king, and he's flying with Royal Dutch Airlines. According to the Associated Press, the 50-year-old father of three and monarch to 17 million Dutch citizens calls flying a hobby that lets him leave his royal duties on the ground and fully focus on something else. When he gives announcement, he is not required to give his name as he co-pilots. He admits that he is rarely recognized by passengers. Now, does that sound like a king that lowered himself to the status of the people? Does that sound like someone maybe like Jesus who... who made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. It was interesting because this was about three years ago when the story came out. This king was a KLM pilot for 21 years. The king is your co-pilot. Think if someone griped out the pilot. Do they realize who they're talking to? You don't think he knew a little bit of what was going on with his people since he was actually flying them all over Europe? I love that story. I was blessed, Denise and I were both blessed at Pueblo First Church to have a, a great youth pastor who, who really came to us and he went on campouts and he took us backpacking and that's where I really made some, some significant spiritual decisions. 
That's where I was shaped was because he would kind of spend time in person with us. And he influenced me to be incarnational with the people that I serve, that, that I don't want to be at a distance. I want to be with people. I think about when Denise and I were college students. We had just been married. It was our senior year, my senior year. And we were working at Bethany First Church as youth volunteers with the middle school department. That's when we had energy. And I had the seventh grade boys. And, and it was interesting because I had a kid in that little group called Kevin. His name was Kevin. And it was the first fight I ever had to break up in a, in a youth group. Because Kevin had an attitude, and Kevin got angry, and Kevin got offended very easily. And I remember it seemed like about every other Sunday I was breaking up fights because Kevin got mad at somebody. Later on, I, I became the senior high pastor at Bethany First. And Kevin still had some anger issues and still had some other things going on. I remember one time, I think we were on a ski trip, and, and why I let him do it, I have no idea, but he had like six cans he drank five or six cans of jolt cola now do you know what jolt is their commercial used to be with all of the sugar and twice the caffeine a sophomore kid with weird tendencies already drinking five or six cans of jolt cola at high altitude not a good mixture he was spazzing out and just hyper and running around and you know, I, somebody did, I don't remember who it was, hey, why don't you play Chubby Bunnies? We're not even in the youth group, it's just a group of like three or four of us, and he plays Chubby Bunnies while he's all wound up on Jolt, about choked to death. Uh, I won't tell you all the things that happened, but I'll never forget them. I kind of wonder, what is this, what's making Kevin tick? And then I got to know him a little bit better. I stepped into his world and I saw how broken his home was. And I saw how angry his parents were, even though they were divorced, how angry they were. And they kind of used him as the weapon of choice towards the other spouse. And when I got to know him and when I saw his world a little bit more, it helped me understand him better and love him more and feel compassion See, when I, when I see that person in their environment, I gain a deeper understanding of who they are. I understand who they are. When you go to somebody else's place, and I know we're in a pandemic right now, and this is hard, and it's weird and all that, but when you go to somebody else's place, you validate their importance to you. When you enter into their world, you can know them at a much deeper level. I think of my friend Bruce in Hutchinson, Kansas. Um, what I, I like to do, if I'm able, and it is not problematic for the person, sometimes I'll just go to their place that they work. Not unannounced, usually. Bruce had his own car lot, and so I showed up not looking for a car. I just said, hey, just want to come see you. I know you work long hours. I just want to come see you. If you don't have a lot of customers, just thought I'd, I want to see your world. And Bruce looked at me in the strangest way, and he said, I've never had anybody come to my work. And I wasn't collecting tithes, and I wasn't asking about his offering. I wasn't doing that. I just wanted to know Bruce better. And Bruce became a great friend. 
because I understood him better when I saw his environment. See, that's what Jesus did. In John chapter 1, verse 14, says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love how the message says this. It says the word became flesh, the logos became flesh, the word logos became flesh, and he moved into our neighborhood. He moved into our neighborhood. I love something Dick Voth. This is a great quote. I love this. This is so good. It, he, he said this, incarnation is Jesus leaving his place, coming to our place, and taking our place so that we can go back to his place. Incarnation is Jesus leaving his place, coming to our place, and taking our place so that we can go back to his place. That's one of the best definitions of incarnation I've ever seen. So when is the last time you entered into someone else's world to show them love? And when have you become an interruption in someone else's path in a good way? Jesus stepped into our world. Jesus came to our place, and he didn't just go to the religious people. He came to the hurting and the stranger. And he talks to Samaritans. There's, there's a lot of racial tension. And Jesus went to right where the tension was. Huh. He went to the tax collectors. He goes to the people nobody else will go to. So let me ask you this question. As Christians, how are we stepping out of our comfort zone to go to the person nobody else goes to? And what bridges are we crossing to to meet that person, to help that person, to be that kind of person? And what are we doing to get out of our compounds and across the street? What friendships are you pursuing with people in different seasons of life than you? Here's one of my dreams for this church. Here's one of my, this is part of the vision of this church. I long for us to be multi-generational. I, I, I long for us to have a bunch of children and to have a bunch of teenagers and to have a bunch of young adults and to have middle-aged adults and and. Adults who don't realize that they're older but, and will never admit it, but in between middle adults and senior adults. And then mature adults. We need all that age group. We, we need all of that. And, and, and my desire is that, that when people are a part of this church, that, that kids and teenagers know that there's someone cheering for them, that someone cares about them and Praise for them every day. And, and my dream for this church is that there's going to be young people that look at older people and say, what can I do to help you? How can I help? You need furniture moved? I'll help you. My desire is that some of our mature adults learn from our younger people and vice versa. What are we doing to pursue relationships with people in different seasons of life. You see, we need that. I, 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 I need to be stretched. Part of this incarnational idea is that of vulnerability. When you go to someone else's world or when you open yourself up, you make yourself vulnerable. And lots of people find this challenging. Take a look at this video. You're going to like this. Richard and Pete 
every Tuesday would meet to hold each other accountable. Lord, bless this pastry and this coffee that we're... While their coffee was hot, accountability there was not. Their Christian bubble wrap made it impossible. And be a blessing unto thine ears, O Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> More coffee? Unleaded to here, leaded to here, six packs of the white, four of the yellow, half a pack of that pink, and put half and half all up in there. Decaf. This is my favorite time of the week. Being an open and honest with my Christian brother, I'm an open book. I'm an open e-book. As iron sharpens iron. So, how's the family? Well, if I'm honest with you, uh, my wife and I are having some problems. Richard quickly would retreat <laughs> rather than listen to Pete, for open sharing seemed so much tougher. Prob the prob nope nope the problem is we have no problems. Nope nope nope. Yeah the prob the problem is everything's perfect just perfect just. God love that woman. Perfect. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well. As long as we're talking, I think I have to confess some stuff, too. I think I may be addicted to porn. Nicaraguan coffee. Uh, poor Nicaraguan coffee. Poor Nicaraguan coffee. Poor Nicaraguan coffee. Have you ever had it? So good. So good. The Both men would have troubles. When they would hide in their bubbles, life didn't get easy. It got much rougher. It's like the good book says, with great poverty comes great responsibility. Ah. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. No, no, I think it's Second David. <laughs> That's right, it's in the New Testament. <laughs> I really respect just your knowledge of the scriptures. and pride is our fellowship guide, then our accountability is bound to be broken. <laughs> to help overcome sin, do learn from these men. That was the bubble wrap. <laughs> and choose to be honest and open. <laughs> so I think one of the things when I think about John 13, 34, 35, it's taking the bubble wrap off. Loving people, honestly and sincerely. Here's the second thing that Jesus uh, showed us and that we need to be is we need to be relational. We need to be relational. That ties in with that video as well. 
See, Jesus was relational by being with us. Jesus was relational. This is something I love. When you think about this whole passage, Jesus came to, and then there was the being with. And what is so amazing is just who Jesus spent time with. I'm reminded of when uh, there was a party held for all of the Levi's tax collector buddies. Jesus went. <laughs> now, these people were not very well-liked, respected. They were loathed. Uh, they, they, they took advantage of people, and they had treated people wrong. And so for Jesus to be associated with them, it really ticked off some of the religious people. Here's what they said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Hmm. There is a difference between being around and being with people. There's a huge difference between being around and being with people. One is intentional and the other isn't. What is one of the names that the prophet Isaiah talked about Jesus is going to be assigned to? What did the angel say to Joseph? He's going to be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus was relational. Do you cross that awkward threshold? When you know somebody, when you're known, when you build that relationship, it gives you a voice. And my challenge or my question to you is, what thresholds do you need to cross and what boundary do you need to walk over or walk through? That we're called to step across boundaries to, to pursue others around us. And what comfort zone do you need to get out of to apply this? Notice this about Jesus. He made... He made it a priority to get to know the people around him and to know their needs. He made that important. He wept with his friends. Now, it fascinates me. When, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he wept with his friends, but he knew what he was going to do. But he wept because he's relational. I, I think about this. He walked the road with strangers. <laughs> He walked the road with strangers. He, he hung out with lepers. He, he, the people that nobody else touched, he touched. One of my favorite stories about Jesus is found in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. It's a story about a leper coming up to Jesus, and he asked Jesus this question. He says to him, he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And the scripture says he reached out his hand and touched him. I love that story. The people nobody wanted to know, he knew. We're called to be transparent, to be open, to be relational. I know some of you are introverts right now. <laughs> and and uh, this kind of makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Here's, here's the good news is introverts are sometimes the best at relationships because they can go deeper with fewer people. What's the next step you need to take? I don't know if you know Dr. Jim Deal. Some of you may remember. He's one of our retired general superintendents. Jim Deal is, is so fun, has this wonderful laugh and a booming voice. And I'll never forget the stories that he would talk about. This guy he met named Danny at the post office in Denver. And when Dr. Deal was a general superintendent, he was traveling. He'd come in about every other week to pick up his mail 
And the guy finally asked me, he said, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, what kind of pastor picks up his mail only every other week? And so Dr. Deal joked with him and said, well, my church meets only every other week, which isn't true. He travels a lot. And pretty soon they struck up a friendship and they started talking whenever he was going to pick up his mail. He'd always ask for Danny. And I guess it, things developed to a point where, where he just said to Danny, he said, hey, can I take you to lunch or breakfast sometime? And he said, sure. And so he got with them and they went to a Perkins there in Denver and Danny starts opening up and just telling him how angry he is at the church and how some people in the church, leaders in the church had hurt him and he just has this vitriol and he's anger, angry and he's, his face is getting red. And Dr. Deal said that the veins in his neck are starting to poke out. So they just talk. Dr. Deal invests in this guy. And while they're sitting in Perkins, after a bit of conversation, Dr. Deal said, you know what, you know, he said, I want you to know Jesus, Danny. He said, you know what, when we're done with our meal, we'll go sit in my car and I'll pray with you. He goes, oh, preacher, don't wait till then. Pray for me now. In Perkins, Danny comes to know Christ, and Danny ends up starting a Bible study at a federal prison near Denver with high-profile inmates. That's relationship. He talks about how... <laughs> These beautiful Korean family that, that had this cleaners, and he always went to these cleaners, and he'd always build a relationship with them, and they end up being part of his church. He talked about the clerks and the workers at 7-Eleven, but he was in there all the time. He starts building a relationship. The Walmart greeter at his local Walmart got to know his name, found out about him. One day noticed he wasn't there, and so he asked some of the associates, hey, where is so-and-so? And they said, oh... His wife just passed away. Dr. Deal found out when the funeral was. He showed up and the guy seated him with the family. Maybe it's a transactional interaction that you have with somebody. The person who makes your coffee or your cashier or your server when we do get to go out to eat. Maybe you can do something to add some intention to it. What am I... Favorite people in all of Chandler, Arizona was a ticket taker or the scanner at, at Harkins Theaters. So here's some disclosure. I grew up in a very strict Nazarene household. Uh, my parents, my mom's from Louisiana, my dad was from Kansas, southwest Kansas, and they were very strict. So we, we, we didn't do anything. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, turn, they didn't read the paper on Sunday. I just, and movies were forbidden because it was in the manual. So when they made movies legal, I made up for it. Actually, I lied to my parents and I snuck out when I was a high school kid. I had to go confess to them later. But when we lived in Chandler, we were 1.8 miles from Harkins Theater, which was really a big one, really nice like the Warren, really good. And we got all the loyalty cups, and we got the thing with the popcorn treats so we could get it where you could actually afford it. And we went to movies all the time. And we loved going. And there was this ticket taker who was physically disabled, and he was probably a little bit mentally disabled as well. He had a little walker that he would use, and sometimes he'd just sit on his walker to take the tickets or to scan your phone. 
And he was a really interesting fella, and I loved talking to him. And we'd go to movies, and we'd chat with him, and we'd visit with him. And it was so fun because he'd kind of do his critique of a movie. He'd say, what are you going to go see? And we'd tell him, he goes, oh, it's a really good one. I really like it. And he starts, you know, spoilers. <laughs> I love this guy. And I love talking to him. I'd go out of my way to go talk to him. I'll never forget one of the things that happened one time. There was a, a Walmart nearby, and, and I saw him, and I went up, hey, how you doing? We started chatting. He was with his mom, and he looked at his mom and said, hey, there's the guy that talks to me. You build relationships. What if the next time you saw that person, maybe it's a server in a restaurant, maybe it's your barista, what if you just said, how can I pray for you? That's something that our district superintendent, Jim Bond, does all the time. It's so fun to watch. Right before we pray and they're finishing up the order, he just looks at them and says, hey, can, we're about to pray in a moment. How can we pray for you? And some people are just floored. It's amazing what a server will tell you. I know they want a good tip. But it's amazing what people will open up and do. I know some of you have certain businesses, when you walk in, they start or getting your order ready because they know what you want. Build a relationship. How are we being hospitable to the relationship that God has placed in our pathways? And when is the last time you talk to your neighbors? Can I tell you something we're so grateful for? We love our neighbors here in Wichita. Dave and Jenny on our left side John and Janice on her right side, and across the street, a lovely family just moved in from San Antonio. His name is Oscar. They have three kids. They know some of the restaurants we've been to in San Antonio. We love our neighbors. We feel so blessed. We want to know them better. We're praying for them because we are their friends. Do you know personal things about the people you live near? Now, if you live out in the country, <laughs> if you live out in the country, that's a little bit hard to know, but even then, you can know your neighbors. Or people you work five feet from, oh, well, okay, six right now. And when you are at school, how about the kid with the lockers next to yours? Or the person in your class that seems to keep to themselves? I know that COVID makes all this hard right now. I know we're in a weird time, but I challenge you, church, to invest in relationships where you shop or where you go to school or where you work. And are you building relationships with people who are not like you? What is the step you need to take? Here's the third thing. What Jesus was and what we need to be, we need to be sacrificial. Jesus was sacrificial by dying for us. Last uh, Sunday night in the Veterans Day service, we talked about sacrifice. We talked about a willing sacrifice. Um, I think that's something I see in this church. I've watched you off and on for nine or ten months. I love what Joel Schmigdal said. He said, talking about Jesus, he didn't just show up and hang out with people. He poured himself out. And the verse we used last Sunday night, and we're using again this morning, greater love 
has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Hmm. Hoping to get people here is not the answer. Hoping to get them to the Savior is. I want our church to grow. I'm praying. I prayed this morning before the sun came up. I pray, God, help our church to grow. Help us to be the church you want us to be. Give us, give us people that we can bless and encourage and help come to faith. But the biggest thing is we want people to come to the Savior. What does that look like in our context? It, it may be just getting out of our comfort zone so we can really get to know someone. And it may be simply just not taking the easy way out with people like the bubble wrap guys did. Because when you get to know someone, it gets messy. It gets uncomfortable. When you get to know someone, you, you see things that make you maybe a little bit nervous or cringe. It's okay, they're doing the same thing with you. It's inconvenient. It's unnerving. It's not just being nice or loving those who love you back. It's not a loyalty program. It's loving even when it's not reciprocated. Even when people don't notice, you love. Just think about who Jesus, whose feet Jesus washed right before he said verse 34 and 35. He washed people that misunderstood him, people didn't appreciate it, and the person that was going to betray him. Do you realize that? That Jesus washed Judas's feet? Jesus served the guy that was going to betray him and turn him over to be killed? <laughs> That's John 15, 13, love. See, love is hard because it requires sacrifice. And I ask you, are you pouring your life into someone else? Here's what Jesus taught us, and here's the big idea. Love people by knowing them. Love people by knowing them. Uh, we saw this in Phoenix. I haven't lived, we haven't lived in Wichita long enough to make this statement, but in Phoenix metro area, most likely here in Wichita, we got about 600,000 people here, counting the metro area. At least in the Phoenix metro area, here's what was true. Nobody out there was looking for a church. Except for someone who moves in from out of town and went to another church, or someone who is frustrated or dissatisfied with the church they're attending and shopping for another. Nobody out there is really looking for a church. But lots of people are looking for redemption and forgiveness and hope and grace and connection. Lots of people are looking for purpose and relationship and significance and belonging. Hundreds of people drive by this church campus every day. That's one thing I like about our marquees. We have two. We have four sides. But this isn't the church. It's a beautiful facility. 
It's a wonderful building that many sacrificed for. But we are the church. So no matter what the pandemic does, no matter what the restrictions are, no matter Woodland Lakes Community Church is still alive and well. And still doing their mission. We're to be salt and light. I appreciate that song that we were singing. That we're supposed to be light. We're supposed to bring it. I, I would love to think that we are known for our love in this town and for the way we serve this city. I, I hope we are. When we fill up every slot for a blood drive. <laughs> when people come from all over our neighborhood to vote. When we, when we collect things for children that are marginalized for angel tree. But also when we love each other with an inconvenient love. When we put up with people that sometimes are hard to deal with. When we love unconditionally. When we show what Jesus' love looks like by the way we love each other and anybody else that becomes part of us. And those that aren't here yet. Hmm. I'm, I'm coming to the realization that as the church, we're the ecclesia. Ecclesia means the called out ones. That What I'm learning, the real, realization is that we're to go and be not just have people come and see. We're to go and be. Here's a big idea again. Love people by knowing them. I want passionately for Woodland Lakes Community Church to be known for our love more than anything else. I believe you're doing it. Let me give you three takeaways real quick. You got bonus tonight. You got bonus this morning. Bonus time. Here's the three. First one is take inventory. This is going to take a little bit of time and effort on your part. Take inventory of your relationships. Think about this past week of an example when you chose to love. And here's an idea. Jot down a name and information about the situation, your experience with that person, and then what you're praying for them about. So um, I had interaction the other day um, with a neighbor. And... Um, I was thinking about how do I put this into practice? Well, I'm going to jot down what happened in that conversation, what we talked about, what I picked up, um, how I expressed love to that person in a tangible way, share a little bit of that experience, and then pray for them about certain things. So take inventory. Here's the second thing. Pray specifically for opportunities. Pray specifically for opportunities. Here's what I've been praying lately. Lord, help me to influence someone for your kingdom today. Oh, sure, I'd love for them to come to our church. <laughs> but help me to influence someone for the kingdom today. Help me to love like you love. Help me to love them like you love me. Third thing is this. Are you ready? Put yourself out there. Step into someone else's world. Step into someone else's world. See, I want people to know Jesus. I want, I want people to be known by Jesus' followers. I, I want people to know that the one who knows you best loves you most. 
Pastor Nate and I were talking about uh, service and how to close it and where we're going with it. And he's going to do a new song this morning, and I just love the lyrics. It talks about wanting to be different, wanting to be changed. I want transformation to happen in people's lives. That when they become a part of Woodland Lakes, when they come, when they get exposed, that's a good word right now, when they get exposed to the people of this church, when they, when they <coughs> build relationships, when they find out what people are really like, when they know them, that God does something special in their lives too. When, when God... When God makes us to be different, when God changes us, then we can make a difference in other people's lives. And that's my prayer for us, that we can really love. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your mercy and your grace. God, help us to be known by our love. We got a lot of good things going at this church. We got some things that are pretty encouraging. We got some challenges. Pray, God, what we'd be known for most is our love. Help us to do that. Help us to receive. Help us to be changed. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Once again, we welcome you to Woodland Lights Community Church. We are glad you are here.